Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Found the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is the Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin. Presented by Renters Warehouse. And here we go. Straight up, 6 o'clock by my watch means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. A couple of hours before the puck drops at Bridgestone Arena. Talk a lot of Preds this hour. I am Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. Our telephone number is 615-737-1045. That's 737-1045. I am blessed beyond measure, beyond all measure, to an extent that I can barely even fathom at this point in my life. I hope you recognize that you are as well. And if you want to have a conversation more deeply about that, my DMs are always open at Jmart Zone. Would love to have that conversation with you. Speaking of conversations, I will have Alex Doherty of A to Z Sports, who does a great job covering the Preds for them. He will join me in the next segment, and we will get into some of the specifics about this matchup with the Dallas Stars that begins tonight. I'll get to my prediction before the end of this show as well. But this is a subject that I've certainly hit on before. But rather than right now start out and go X's and O's, line by line, this versus this, at least not for today, and we'll certainly be reacting to game one tomorrow. And I should mention as well, congratulations to Casey Alexander taking the job at Belmont, men's basketball coach. Casey Alexander will join me on this program tomorrow night live at 6.15. And we will talk about where he was and where he is now and how to fill Rick Bird's shoes. So that'll be a great conversation. But I'm going to go into more detail before the end of this show about this matchup tonight that begins at Bridgestone Arena between the Dallas Stars and the Nashville Predators. But what I do, more often than not, in media, regardless if I'm talking about sports or pop culture, whatever it might be, is that I try to look more big picture. That's how I write about TV. It's how I write about film. It's, it's how I approach most subjects that I choose to tackle. The question I find myself asking and wanting to answer through whatever content I provide is what about this can I apply in multiple situations to explain or to contextualize what we're likely to see in something that we care about? And so I often go back to this particular thesis, this particular hypothesis even, about expectation and whether or not high expectation is something that's difficult in which to perform it. And there are some people out there, there are some athletes out there, there are some actors out there and actresses and doctors and lawyers and politicians and dog walkers that thrive under those conditions. But that is certainly not a universal skill set. In fact, 
I would even argue it's not even close. It is a very special ability that exhibits itself in a select few people. And you might also include the idea or the concept of being, quote, clutch, unquote, in that same mold. Guys that you trust to close in big situation or moments or ones you know aren't going to fumble over their words when they're trying to seal a particular sale. Alec Baldwin and Glengarry Glen Ross. It takes brass balls to sell real estate. The guy that gets the Cadillac, that's your closer. Maybe even the guy that gets to set a steak knife. But one of my go-to examples for this is the 2017-2018 Georgia Bulldogs college football team. The team that as soon as they became the number one team in the country, all of a sudden became the hunted after quietly being the hunters and knowing at that point that they were good. It takes something unique, folks. Something palpably unique to have a target on your back and still get that job done. It's why we should never underestimate what Phil Jackson was able to do throughout his career. It's short-sighted to do that. Look at John Calipari. He gets to Elite Eights, 7 of 10 in Lexington, sometimes to Final Fours. All the talent in the world has to reload year after year. But he's only got one title. Duke has three of the top five upcoming NBA draft picks. And they were bounced by Michigan State, didn't even make it to Minneapolis. This stuff is not preordained just because it looks like it should be. No amount of planning in this life can ensure an outcome. Unpredictability is by definition incalculable. So here come the Nashville Predators in 2018 and 2019. A team that I'd say we've watched grow in in a variety of ways over the past handful of years. Coaching change amidst that. Key free agent acquisitions and guys that are now wearing other jerseys. Two years ago, this team wasn't picked by anybody to do much of anything. And all they did was reach the Stanley Cup Finals to play against the mighty Pittsburgh Penguins. And that was this magical run that had a little bit of the Cinderella effect in it. Because generally, I think the consensus was that that squad showed up a year earlier than expected. There were still some things that needed to be shored up. Although that line graph might have been trending upward, it was still going to be a process. And it was probably going to be a fairly lengthy process and at times a painful process. But as the eight seed, Nashville beat Chicago, they beat Anaheim, they get to the final, and then just ran into a better team with a more consistent netminder of the postseason, and they succumbed to a squad that had been there before, and experience does tend to matter. Then flash forward to last year. The expectations are higher. They're greater. But there's a tougher Winnipeg team, home crowd seemingly matching Nashville's fan intensity. Jeremy Roenick's out here dressed up in Jets colors on TV. And I could hit the eye roll emoji, but look, he would have done that for whoever it was he was broadcasting probably. And they outplayed the Preds. It didn't necessarily feel like a step back as much as it did a missed opportunity. It's not like this team all of a sudden just got worse and can't play anymore. It's that they did not maximize what they could have with the roster that they had. And so people end up a little bit disappointed because their consistency lacked. There were moments that we could point back to where it felt like that team did not have the requisite energy on defense that you wanted to see in the postseason. And even after watching the Colorado series, we started to see and witness cracks in that foundation. And so let me make another comparison to you. In many ways... I'll compare what we've seen so far from the Nashville Predators to what we saw during the glory days of the Oklahoma City Thunder. 
where they too were an eight seed that had obvious promise. They took positive steps, but they never ended up hoisting the Larry O'Brien trophy before Kevin Durant rolled to Golden State and did it there. Just like the Preds, the Thunder did reach a finals. They reached the NBA finals, but they ran into the best player of this generation in LeBron James, a loaded Heat team that also featured one of the better second bananas ever and really first bananas in Dwayne Wade. And then look at the Penguins. Best player of this generation probably in the NHL in Sidney Crosby. Fantastic second banana as well in Evgeny Malkin. And they had a stellar goaltender, and they had the experience that I just mentioned, just as Wade and LeBron did in the NBA Finals. So here is my question for you tonight. As you're headed downtown for game one between the Preds and Stars, or as you're eating dinner in preparation to watch it on television, and the phones will be open outside of my conversation with Alex Doherty to chat with you however you want to chat about the Preds tonight at 615-737-1045 or on Twitter at jmartzone. However you want to go with it, we can go with it. But here's my primary question as the postseason begins for this team. What are your expectations today for the Nashville Predators? And how much, if any, have they changed since the regular season began last fall? How good do you feel about this team right now? What constitutes a successful year for this franchise in your mind? And what do you actually think is about to happen for this team in this series and going further into this particular NHL postseason? Here's my personal feeling. This mentality that exists in sports, and it can exist in business or anything else in life, where you feel like or you can make yourself believe that you have something to prove. That something to prove mindset can really boost you as long as you still allow the game or whatever it is to come to you and don't try to do too much as a result of that. I mean, think about Tom Brady still with a chip on his shoulder. Everybody thinks we suck. We're not going to win. Nobody thought that. But that was a mentality that he tried, that he continues to try and play with. He still tries to be the guy that couldn't start at Michigan and that only got into the game because of an injury to Drew Bledsoe and whatever else. But not trying to do too much is also part of this. That doesn't mean go out there and be passive. What it means is you go out there and you play your style and you execute. You don't go play one-on-five hero ball like you'll see Russell Westbrook or somebody do for the Thunder or... I mean, James Harden had to do it earlier this season with the Rockets, but you'll see that sometimes in sports. You don't take unnecessary risks. Like Carson Edwards with Purdue a couple of weeks ago, he tried to do a little bit too much at one point, and he started to harm his team. Had to get some other guys involved. And that becomes a story in a lot of these games for the NCAA tournament. Windler, that's the best example that we saw in the NCAA tournament, was Dylan Windler trying to do too much for Belmont after playing a fantastic game against Maryland, taking a couple of bad shots, making a few forced plays, not letting it come to him. There is a strong balancing line, and sometimes it's hard to delineate and find out where this balance exists between being aggressive and being smart. Finding that balance is how you win championships. You don't take unnecessary risks, but you do take a few you're aggressive. You go try to seize it, but you find a way to do that within reason and within percentages and without and with probabilities. 
because you can find yourself gripping too hard and you can turn a slump into the yips like Roy McAvoy in 10 cup or like Chris Davis in his 0 for 9,000 for the Orioles. It doesn't mean that you give up. It means that you believe, but you just go do what you know you can do without pushing too hard to manufacture something that's not necessarily there. Josh Rosen was an example of this. Sam Darnold was an example with a lot of the throws that he tried to make at USC. He was trying to win a game with every throw. He was trying to play his team back into the game to overcome coaching mistakes and lack of personnel. Same thing happened for Rosen at UCLA. And there are many other examples like this as well. But the thing about it is when you try to get your team back into a game single-handedly, that's the way you lose. That's the way you make a mistake that only furthers that climb back in the first place. So the Predators just have to play smart. Predators have all the talent in the world. We know this. We also know their power play numbers. And we know that Pekka sometimes is feast or famine when we get to the postseason. And we know some of the scoring talent in Dallas, even though it hasn't manifested itself so far on the ice much this season when you look at their numbers. But that's my question is where you think this team was at the beginning of the season in your mind and where they are right now. And if the expectations that were there last year that aren't there now, now is there something to prove again? And is that exactly where this team should be in order to maximize its potential? Alex Doherty of A to Z Sports joins me next. We will break down more specifically Preds versus Stars. Stick with us here. Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. Big six here on 104.5 The Zone. Little Cage the Elephant for you. One of my favorites out of Bowling Green. New album coming out pretty soon. Cry Baby, the name of this tune. Dallas Stars don't like P.K. Subban. You maybe can accuse them of being crybabies. We bring in Alex Doherty. He covers the Preds extremely well for A to Z Sports. He is out at Bridgestone Arena, obviously, to cover the game tonight. Alex, how are you? I am doing great. It's springtime in Nashville, and that means it's hockey season. Yeah, it's like 80 degrees, so it's perfect to be in Bridgestone Arena with ice in front of you all night long. It's a, it's a good time of year. So tell me, in your words, what does the finish to this season mean to you, going 8-2-1, and one, losing to Columbus, and then needing to win all those games and being able to do that? What, what does that mean to you? Well, I think it shows that this team really – I don't think that they panicked at all during the regular season. I mean, they, they – you know, they got off to a hot start in October, November, 13-3 and three to start off the season, uh, and then obviously had huge injury bugs to deal with. And then, and then it just started, from there started the inconsistent play. And, and Pecorine had some, some down moments, and uh, you had moments where you had nobody except for the, the top line scoring goals. But they didn't panic, and they knew that, you know, in the end, all that really matters is, is how you're playing in, in April, May, and June. And uh, and that's what they, they know that now. And, and Peter Laviolette, you know, at his two press conferences this week has made it very clear that, you know, while it does mean something to be eight, two and one, uh, you know, you'd rather be eight, two and one rather than two, eight and one going into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But what matters is what happens in game one tonight. And I think that's, uh, that's really good to see. After watching this team, as you have for this last you know handful of years, do you look at this team and say, and this is kind of what I was talking about in my thesis in the first segment about expectation and whether or not that pressure. Does this Preds team thrive on it? Because it didn't seem to last year. And, and I don't know what people believed 
beginning this season how this team was going to finish. Maybe they're flying a little bit more under the radar. Maybe they're not, but just looking through like mainstream comments over the last few days, not experts, it seems to be pretty split, at least in terms of the length of the series. Nobody's out here really making the case that this is going to be a sweep. Do you think it's better for this team to at least have the, not really a chip on your shoulder, but maybe at least the idea that they have something to prove? Yeah, it, it, the the expectations could not be more different for the team this year as compared to last year. I mean, you, you go into last year's playoffs, you play the upstar Colorado, Colorado Avalanche, and you're the President's Trophy winner. Everyone expects at least a four or five game series, and it goes for a really tough six games. And then they retired going into Winnipeg. A totally different scenario this year, uh, especially considering the opponent. I mean, the Dallas Stars are could not be more different than the Colorado Avalanche from last year. I mean, they're a really tough defensive team. Ben Bishop's a great, great goaltender. I mean, it's just a not only different expectations wise, it's so different on the ice with, with who they're actually going to play. And my, my thing all year has been that, that this team just has played, you know, very different overall in the regular season with, you know, it, last year it was all about trying to get home ice. It was trying to get, uh, it, was, it was trying to get to that, that top squad in the, in the, in the Western Conference and, and getting the President's Trophy. This year you haven't heard a lick about that. You haven't heard them talk about that at all. I mean, that's been, the, the last thing they've talked about. So it's just a totally different mindset, in my opinion. Ben Bishop has been really good. You mentioned him there in that last answer. A 934 save percentage. He's at 883 in high danger. He's, he's got an under two goals against average. He's actually been better in just about every category than Pekka. But Pekka really finished the season strong. I mentioned in the first segment, Alex, that I feel like he's been feast or famine more often than you'd want to see a stellar goaltender be in the postseason. Both guys obviously can be incredible when they're on. Which guy between those two in particular do you like right now? Well, that's, it, it is really tough to pick between them. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you the, the, the big difference that I see between the two right now, honestly, is Pecorino is going to make his 71st career playoff start tonight. Mm. I think Ben Bishop has somewhere around 30 in that neighborhood, mid, mid-30s maybe. So he's got some playoff experience, but not as much. Pecorino has seen everything from that, that blowout loss in Game 7 in San Jose to going to the Stanley Cup to that Game 7 last year, giving up those two goals early. He has seen a lot, and he's got the battle scars. Ben Bishop probably has some battle scars along the way, but not nearly as many. I'm, I'm, I would take Pecorino right now. He finished 4-0 to finish the season with like a 940 save percentage. Ben Bishop does not play well against the Predators for some reason. I, I don't really know why that is, but... Uh, I, I think you have to give Pecorino the advantage, and that, and you know, the crazy thing is they're very similar. They, they're they're athletic guys. They're tall. They're they're physical. They can move side to side. Uh, it, it's going to be quite a battle. I think that this goaltending matchup is the best in any opening series when you consider the backup the, the backup goalies Anton Kudobin and Yusei Saros as well. Yeah, Kudobin won a couple here in Nashville, stole them away, and, and I think both those guys. And you can tell me if I'm wrong here. Both those guys could start on a lot of teams in this league and be the number one netminder, right? Yeah, they were pretty split. I mean, Bishop, I think, started 45 games, and, and uh, Kudovin got basically all the rest of them. Uh, I, I mean, I think that when you consider that Yusei Soros, who everyone knows is a really good goaltender, is probably the fourth best goalie in this, uh, in this series right now, that's pretty impressive. I mean, I, I think you could see, and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but if, if Ben Bishop struggles or has any kind of a health issue, which he's known to have, Kudobin coming in the game is, should not be a, a sigh of relief for Predators fans because, as you said, he plays very, very well against the Predators. And uh, it just sometimes that happens where a goalie can get in your head and all of a sudden 
he could go out there and win some games for the Dallas Stars. Alex Doherty of A to Z Sports joining us here on the Big Six tonight. Preds depth offensively. Alex, you got Craig Smith's got over 20 goals. Nick Benino's got 17. I feel like Dallas, and I, I think pretty much everybody does, they're incredibly Dolly Parton here. They are quite top-heavy. <laughs> so is Nashville, but I would say that the depth goes to the Preds. Would you agree? I definitely agree. I, I wrote about that this week. Uh, it, I think the depth, you know, for as much as uh, Predators and Predators fans have been have been talking about uh, the top heaviness of the Predators, the Dallas Stars are even more so. I mean, they... Their, their top three guys have account, accounted for all, basically half of all goals scored by their forwards. They have four guys who have double-digit goals. The Predators have ten. So, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of balance going around. And, and that's not even considering the fact that Mikhail Granlund and, and Wayne Simmons have only come in and scored a couple goals so far. Those are 17 and 18 goal-scoring kind of guys. So, uh, yeah, I, I think definitely the Predators have the edge in depth. Um, but will they be able to break through that Dallas Stars defense? You know, is a guy like Kyle Turris going to be able to step up his game and, and, and do what he, we know he can do against a really tough defense? That, that remains to be seen. Austin Watson's back. We can, and I guess we don't need to anymore. We can adjudicate whether he should have gotten his second chance here or not, but he did get his second chance. And so now we can only hope the best. We can only pray he's learned and grown from the adversity and he's better for it. No question. He means a ton to this team on the ice. Incredibly talented. His energy is important. What does he mean to them as somebody that's followed the team as closely as you have in terms of chemistry and camaraderie in that locker room and just being part of this cohesive gel? Well, he definitely brings he brings all of that, but I think I think he doesn't get enough credit for his his real true skill out there. I mean, when when the, when they reunited the Sissons, uh, the, the Colton Sissons, Nick Benito, Austin Watson line, uh, the last three games of the season. I think you could make the argument it was the best line that they had. It was at least the most consistent line that they had because that, that line was consistently being stuck in the defensive zone and outscoring their opponent. I mean, and that's just so impressive when you really look at the numbers on what they were able to do. Austin Watson, to me, is, is probably the guy on that line that can actually produce some offense. I mean, so can Colton Sissons, of course, but uh, that's a dangerous, dangerous two-way line. I think you'll see them... Definitely being uh, you know up front and present in, in this game tonight, especially because the, I think the Predators want to establish that that line is going to be called to shut down whatever opposing forward line the other the, the Dallas Stars think can can create some offense. So uh, whether they're against the, the top line with Tyler Sagan or whether on the second line with Jamie Benn and uh, Matt Zuccarello, uh, I think that they'll they'll be able to do the job. They can shut down one uh, of those two lines. Another thing I think we, we all sort of anticipate is this is going to be a very physical series. It's going to be a very defensive-minded series. These teams don't particularly like each other. So there's going to, so what that means is there's going to be penalty minutes. Neither one of these teams is really great on the power play. We know how bad Nashville is, and Dallas is actually an elite penalty-killing unit. How important is the power play going to be in a series where it seems like the margin for error might be razor thin? Well, I'm not going to spend time talking about the Nashville power play because there's just no fixing it. It's right. awful. You can't do anything about it. So I'll talk about the Nashville penalty kill. And I think the penalty kill uh, could be Nashville's secret weapon. I mean, the Dallas Stars have a good, a good power play. Not, I wouldn't say a great power play, but they have a good one. Uh, if, the Nashville, if the Nashville penalty kill can keep the Dallas Stars off the board in terms of power play goals uh, at, at, a, at a regular rate, that could give the, the Predators some boost. I'll point out one other thing. If you remember last year, the Predators were, one, were the worst penalized team in the league. And I think this doesn't go talk, get talked about enough. They cut that down considerably this year. They, they dropped that down to 16th in the league. They were the number one team last year, 16th this year. 
he really that coaching staff did a good job of preaching not you know staying out of the penalty box. So I think that probably translates to the playoffs, and you'll see some some more disciplined play from the Predators in that front. Most important player in the series for both of these two teams would be fill in the blank. So the, the easy answer is Pecorine, but I'll give you I'll give you another one, and I think it's Victor Arvidsson. I think a guy like Victor Arvidsson has this this energy and this this ability to just ignite this entire building uh, and ignite the Predators. Uh, I you know, I go back and forth on who I think is the more dangerous offensive player between Arvidsson and Forsberg. Forsberg can do just so many things, but I don't think there's anybody that can just rejuvenate this entire team when they're not doing well like Victor Arvidsson. And so whether it's in the, in the, on the four check playing, you know, playing a trap in the neutral zone, scoring goals in front of that shooting from all over the ice. I think Victor Arvidsson is the guy that you're going to see, you know, take the team on his back every now and then and and say, you know, we're going to go score some goals against this team. I know that you went Preds in six on the website. That's, that's where I am as well. I think it could be five. The consistency is just not there to go sweep. And really five doesn't feel particularly accurate either past this series. It's obviously going to depend a lot on the matchups. Who is it that you want to see in the next series if you're Nashville? Obviously, you want to see whatever that's you want to see. That, you want to go seven either way to tire those guys out. But who do you want next? You know, I kind of think I go back and forth on this, but I I kind of think the St. Louis Blues, and because uh, you know, one they proved in 2017 that the Predators proved in 2017 that they could beat a team like the Blues with that physical size, especially on defense. Uh, the, the real trick is going to be if Jordan Bennington, their, their hot rookie goaltender, if he turns into a pumpkin at all in these playoffs, then you definitely want the St. Louis Blues because if they can, if they can get after that guy, uh, especially, you know, they have a great offense, but I think that you can find ways around that defense. The Winnipeg Jets, I, I don't want anything to do with them. I mean, that, that, that offense can, can turn on a dime and then all of a sudden you're dealing with a, a team that could score six goals every game. Yeah, no, I agree. Winnipeg scares me to death as well. Alex, great stuff. Uh, we will certainly enjoy your coverage at A to Z Sports. You can follow Alex at AlexDoherty1 on Twitter. He'll be with us pretty frequently during this postseason. Uh, we will uh, we'll be watching. Hopefully the Preds will be able to get this thing done relatively easy. The NFL draft is going to make this really interesting as well with, in terms of scheduling and rest, and that's probably something we're going to have to talk about in the future also. Yeah, yeah, no, no kidding. All right, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. All right, that is Alex Doherty. He does a great job at A to Z Sports, and that's true. I think that that they have said, look, we're not going to play a home playoff game the day of the NFL draft. So that could really throw a wrench into things depending upon how long this series goes. That's going to be something we're going to have to follow. It could benefit the Preds if they handle business early. When we come back, I already talked about expectation as a large concept. We just spoke about it a little bit with Alex Doherty. What about momentum? Is it overrated? We'll discuss that next. Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back to the Big Six. Here on a Wednesday, a Preds playoff Wednesday. Here in the Music City, I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. 615-737-1045. Phones are open for the remainder of the show. I'll let you hear some of the highlights of P.K. Subban when he was on the air a little bit earlier today with 3HL here in the final segment. We're brought to you by Renters Warehouse, dedicated to helping homeowners become rent estate investors by renting their homes instead of selling their homes. Renters Warehouse, the rent estate company. So I talked about expectation. Our thanks to Alex Doherty of A to Z Sports for joining us as well. Alex Doherty won on Twitter. Good follow. 
certainly throughout this postseason, but always does a great job for A to Z. Now, you can't really overstate 8-2-1 and one to finish this season in the stretch run. That's how they won the Central when they had to scrap for every point. They lost to Columbus. They had to win on the way out, and they did. A few weeks ago, Preds got straight up a run by Winnipeg. And it felt awfully familiar to last year's postseason. And then came some great hockey. And whether or not you believe Austin Watson's second chance should have come as soon as it did, he's no doubt a major addition back to this roster. He adds a lot of skill. He adds toughness and energy and chemistry. And a lot of that, all of that, is going to be at a premium here in the postseason. So what I ask is this. What emphasis or what do you feel about the we got him feeling that comes from playing well in the final 10 games of the regular season when now those numbers don't matter at all. Maybe they're gelling better now. And I want to thank the Nashville Predators for a couple of medium Dunkin' coffees for free. I appreciate this team even more every time I get my toasted almond. But there's this old belief in sports that, oh, this team is playing its best insert sport here at the perfect time. Nobody wants to see this team. Because they've always had this talent, and now it's starting to show itself. Case in point, we just saw it in the NCAA tournament. The Auburn Tigers and that Final Four run. They got red hot as they got healthy, and they started burying those threes, which is how they lived and died. And then nobody wanted to see them. And just like, you know, LaViolette, who's a really solid coach, they had a proven coach in Bruce Pearl. And before they lost to Virginia in that all-time crazy fashion... They hadn't lost in six weeks. Remember the Packers, the year that they actually won the Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy? I know we're talking about other things when it relates to the Packers right now, thanks to Bleacher Report and Tyler Dunn, who did a great article. But that Packers team down the stretch of that season, the year that they won the Super Bowl, they won their last two regular season games, and the two games before were losses, but they played great football and barely lost those games. But they were a sixth seed in the NFC that peaked at the right time behind Aaron Rodgers. New England wasn't exactly a juggernaut in the first half of the NFL season. Recall Blake Bortles and the Jacksonville Jaguars with receivers you couldn't pick off a milk carton, beating them in Jacksonville, beating the Pats. And then the narrative midway through the season was what? Even after they came here and got shellacked by the Tennessee Titans. Ooh, Tom Brady's losing it. Does he have anything left? What's wrong with his team? Then they got hot. And guess what? We know how that story ended. They won the Super Bowl. Now, there are certainly going to be teams out there through history that just absolutely roll from day one, but a lot of times that's not the case. You run into adversity and you have to deal with it. Virginia, they dealt with it. All-time adversity going out against UMBC last year, coming back and winning the national title, and the adversity and maybe the controversy that led to them getting through three consecutive games to get there this year. Remember that 95 UCLA team Jim Herrick coached? You know, Toby Bailey and the O'Bannon brothers and that crew. Without Tyus Edney going the length of the floor in the opener of the NCAA tournament with less than four seconds to go to win that game, they never get out of the first round, much less make it to the championship game. The year that Maryland won the national championship with Gary Williams and they had Juan Dixon and Lonnie Baxter and that crew. It was Drew Nicholas who hit a walk-off three in the first round of the NCAA tournament to beat UNC Wilmington. Without that, there is no title run for Maryland. And what I wonder is this. 
whether you out there buy into the momentum carrying over from the regular season in a seven-game series, it is harder to argue that the better team doesn't win 9 out of 10, maybe even 95% of the seven-game series played in postseason sports. One and done, you're going to get chaos. It's an any-given-day mentality. Maybe the Rams would beat the Patriots if they played them again. Maybe not. They played them seven times, so they beat them four times. I doubt I would ever pick against Belichick in a best of seven. But here, as I told Brent Doherty at the end of 3HL, we've got the opportunity in a seven-game series to tell a story. And that's when sports is at its best, is when you can almost feel like you're turning the pages of a book watching all of this take place. You can write fairly lengthy chapters of books that play out series by series by series. You can even split up the regular season with its own dividers. Preds start out 8-2. and two. Then they're 14-5-1, and one, 20 games in. Then they go 5-5 five and five the next 10, and they're 19-10-1, 30 games in. 20 games later, they're 34-21-5. There are ebbs and there are flows, and there was no doubt a slump in midseason, and there were injuries, and there was a serious learning curve after Poyle grabbed Granlund and Simmons and Boyle. And that just took more time to work. And there's still some question. We obviously need more from Granlund. And we're hoping that he's going to give us that. Hopefully he's ready to be that more in the postseason. But even though this team finished strong, even with Austin Watson back, even with, I'd say, a little bit more hope shown from these new guys in these Preds jerseys for sure over this last stretch, it's now 0-0 zero and zero in a new season. All that you did at the end positioned you better. St. Louis is really good. Winnipeg is super dangerous. Just like Alex Doherty, I don't want any part of the Jets in the next round. And considering what Nashville has done in the past as an eight seed and what we've seen eight seeds do in hockey, the NHL can become incredibly unpredictable. Nobody can ever be counted out. Seven-game series don't, to me, necessarily reflect the better team in hockey to the degree they do in other sports. Because, and I've argued this in the past, ice is fickle. Ice is unpredictable. It seems like there's more luck and more randomness to be found in ice hockey than in other team sports. So momentum and expectation. Are they overrated? Are they underrated? Tweet me at jmartzone. One more segment to go. 615-737-1045. We'll let you hear a little bit from PK Subban coming back. Big 6, 104.5 The Zone. Segment Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. A lot of Preds this hour. Tomorrow night, New Belmont head basketball coach Casey Alexander will join me in the second segment. You won't want to miss that. We're brought to you by Renner's Warehouse, dedicated to making renting your home easy, fast, and worry-free. Renner's Warehouse, you can't buy happiness, but you can rent it. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. You can reach me there. I will tell you a couple of stats that you might want to keep in mind for tonight's Preds-Stars matchup. But P.K. Subban joined 3HL. I want you to hear a little bit of this conversation beginning with him talking about this team and this season as we walk into the playoffs. When you look at the playoffs, you think about the respect for the game and respect for all the teams that have made it this far. It's been a tough season, man. It's been a tough season for everyone, but Tampa, it looks like. You know, Tampa... Tampa had a really good year this year. Tampa had a very similar year to the one we had last year. 
Um, obviously, they had uh, they had more points, um, you know, than we obviously accumulated last year. But very similar with the President's Trophy and winning the division and and all that that great stuff. And we've been through that, but this year was a little different. We had a lot more injuries, a lot more ups and downs, and I think that was good for our team. I really do, and uh, it says a lot about us, you know, being able to win the division. But in terms of the playoffs, I think everybody just has a tremendous amount of respect for how hard it is to get here. And uh, when you think about your opponent, you have to have a ton of respect for your opponent, regardless of where they've been in the standings, you know, because we, we know as well as anyone that the regular season standings don't matter once the playoffs start. So, um, you know, we're just really excited to have another opportunity to to put a, a really great run together. That's right. It's 0-0. They won on the way out. They won the Central. They're 8-2-1 down the stretch. And now it means absolutely nothing because you've got to go out there and you've got to win four and then you've got to win four more and four more and four more ultimately if you want to raise that Stanley Cup. Is this Predators team ready? Here's P.K. Subban on that. There's no pep talk needed. There's, there's, uh, you know, I've played in 90 playoff games and I can pretty much remember every single one of them, you know, uh, and it's, that just, it's just, it's the intensity. It's, you're playing for the opportunity to, to play tomorrow and there is no tomorrow. Every game, that's the approach. There is to know tomorrow. And it's the most taxing, physically and mentally grinding, you know, two months of hockey that you'll ever play, you know. And, but that's what the exciting thing is about is that, you know, for me, it's, it's great to do it for those eight or nine months during the season. But if you don't do it in those two months, it means nothing. So, you know, it doesn't matter what you did during the regular season. As a team, we all did what we had to do. But individually now, we need your best, and we need everyone's best. And, um, you know, you know this, is, this is a season I know that for me personally that I love to be a part of and that I'm excited to be a part of because, you know, all my heroes, they, they, they dream about playing in the playoffs. You know, they, these are moments that they live for. So, you know, I want to live for those moments too and, and, and enjoy it and, uh, there's no better team that I'd love to go to war with than the guys that we have now. So he says they're ready. What does he expect from Dallas? We already know. Both these two teams pretty top-heavy offensively. Both of them feature exquisite goaltending and really strong backup goaltending. Defense, certainly a strength of this Preds team. They both struggle in the power play. What does PK believe about the specific matchups as it relates to this series? Throughout the playoffs, you look at all the matchups now. Everyone's going to look at matchups and this and that. And, you know, the matchups that we're going to have in game one probably won't be the same matchups in game two. You know, things are going to change and different guys may come in or out of the lineup, uh, you know, on both sides. Who knows? Um, I think that what it is is now it's not so much about the matchups. It's just everyone's just got to do their job and focus on your job and what you have to bring. You know, for me, I've never personally thought about the other player on the other side. I've always thought about just my game and what I have to do uh, to be at my best. And I know that if I do that, there's, there's not too many players that I feel can take me, take that away from me. So, you know, I think that if our whole team has that mentality, we're going to be fine because everybody, you know, everyone on our team can play and, and has excelled. And we have a lot of guys now who, 
played. In a, I mean, look at Brian Boyle. Like, I think he's got the most playoff games on the team, and he's been to three finals, or I think it's two finals or two or three finals. So, you know, we have guys on our team with experience, and most of my teammates, they've been to the cup finals. So, you know, we have a lot of guys with experience, but you know, as far as uh, everything goes right now, we just have to focus on what we can control. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know too much about the matchups and what's going to happen, but I think for our team, we just have to focus on game one and everybody bringing their best, regardless of who you're matched up against. So here's some stats for you. I like to try and make you smarter on the way out the door, but I'm not, Ryan's probably going to say, oh, do I need to hit the open? No, 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 no. It's all right. I've got some stats, but I'm going to make it a little bit longer. He's smiling. That's Ryan Mudd. He's behind in glass, spinning the Dodge radio style for me tonight. Predators, 12.6% this season on the power play. That, you already know, I'm sure, is the worst number in the, in the National Hockey League. Dallas is a top five penalty killing team. That means the power play success is going to be really hard to come by unless this team somehow figured something out that we have not seen with any regularity or even rarity this season. And honestly, you would look at this poor power play and think that might be this team's undoing more so than anything else. Dallas, though, has their own ugly stat. They average 2.5 goals per game. On even strength shots, 6.9% goals. That's the third lowest in the NHL. Nashville, because of the power play, just grossness that that is, is barely in the top 20 themselves in scoring. So what all that means is that we're going to see a defensive-heavy series. We're going to see a rough series. These two teams don't really like each other. We just heard three cuts from P.K. Subban. Basically, everybody that wears a Dallas Stars uniform despises P.K. Subban. So we're going to see our share of penalty minutes on both sides, I think. And if you look at it and you think about it, the squad that takes the best advantage of the man advantage, it might be that team that advances. Nashville should win. I've got them moving on in six. But would it surprise me to see Dallas drop them out in the first round? No, because this team hasn't been consistent. They 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 seem to be peaking right now. Pekka's playing better. Eight two and one is important. It does matter. But they've still got to go out there and they've got to play right now. And there are some talented players on this Dallas team. And there is a really solid netminder in Bishop that if he gets on a roll, he's able to stay healthy. Even if he can't, his replacement's going to come in there and make waves. They're going to have to make the most of their opportunities. The Preds are going to have to earn this if they want to move to the next round and extend this season. They are the better team to me. They are the more talented team. They're definitely the deeper team. But all of those descriptors that I just mentioned, all of those opinions that I just shared, none of that's going to mean anything once the puck drops tonight at 8.30. Then those adjectives are actually going to have to show themselves on the ice because Dallas is going to go out there believing that they can win this series. And hockey is a crazy sport. It also happens to have a fantastic postseason, and this is going to be a fun run, and we're going to be here covering it on 104.5 The Zone as long as it lasts. Tomorrow on this program, new Belmont head coach Casey Alexander is going to join me live at 6.15. Tons to discuss with him as well. That should be a great conversation. We will recap tonight's Stars-Preds Game 1. Maybe a little bit of this Lakers drama because that's apparently all there is in Los Angeles these days. Coming up next, one of my two favorite sporting events, period, especially as a television viewer, begins tomorrow. Both of them actually are golf tournaments. U.S. Open and the Masters. The Masters begins tomorrow. Ned Michaels is down in Augusta. 
Barney Allery is here for Global Golf Radio, and Ned Michaels will join him on the program tonight. I can't wait for the Masters to start, and I can go ahead and tell you when I do a pro and con tomorrow, it will be about the fact that I can't watch all of the Masters on TV in 2019 because Augusta still, for some reason, holds part of this tournament hostage, and it drives me crazy. Global Golf is next. Go Preds. Clear eyes, full hearts. Can't lose. God bless, and good night.